And we'll be looking at heroes of the faith tonight. So I'll go ahead and read verses 32 through 35, and we'll be taking a look at that tonight. So um, beginning at verse 32, and it says, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephna, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became violent, I'm sorry, valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And let's bow our head in prayer real quick. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We ask that you would uh, speak to our hearts, illuminate our hearts and our minds. Uh, speak through me tonight, Lord. And if anything, um, anything wise comes from me at all, let you get all the glory for it. But um, again, speak to us and be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So again, as we look at this portion of scripture right here and what the writer of Hebrews is trying to communicate to us here, it's that he's continuing to give us a history lesson on those who kept the faith and trusted in the Lord in the midst of a difficult circumstance and times. Because this letter, again, it was written to the Hebrew church where the believers of that church, they were experiencing much difficulty, persecution, and hardship. It was a trying time for them. It was real trying, and it was a testing of their faith. And because of the difficulties we're facing, they wanted to quit. They wanted to give up. They wanted to give up on their walk with God and avoid persecution as a believer and just return to the old ways of Judaism just so they can be accepted by the people and, and not have to deal with that sort of um, persecution that was coming in their life. They just wanted some peace. Um, and we can relate to that as believers because I was thinking about this. We all go through struggles in one form or another, whether it's a physical battle of some sort or a spiritual battle or spiritual warfare in nature that's happening to us um, and that's taking place in our lives. We're the battle of life where it starts to get hard and it just seems that there's opposition on every side. It can seem at times too, whenever, everywhere you turn, anything you're doing, there's opposition against you and it feels like that. And it could be, begin to weigh heavy upon us and it can even begin to make you question your faith and your walk with God and your calling with God. And we can begin to say to ourselves, am I following God's call? Am I doing this? Because of all these things that's happening to me, am I following the call of God? Is this walk of God worth it? And this, they're saying, and I, and I say that because of the circumstances that we could face in life and what the Hebrew church was facing as well. And we could become discouraged and want to fall back and drift away as a believer because the battle is getting tough. But we need to remember that the Lord is with us. Always remember that, that the Lord is with you. He's with us through the ups and the downs, through the hardships and through the struggles of life. He is with us. Never will he leave us. Never will he forsake us, as he says in his word. And again, too, I wanted to point this out because one of the tactics and the strategies of Satan against you as a believer, and, that's, and it's a spiritual warfare tactic, and remember this too, if you're taking notes, write it down because the enemy wants to make you feel discouraged. He wants to make you feel that you're all alone in the battle, that it's just you. You're the only one going through it and no one else is facing it and it's just happening to you. And with that, the enemy seeks to isolate you. He wants to isolate you. He wants to get you by yourself and he wants you to give up most of all. He wants you to give up on your walk with God. But don't give in to that. Don't give in to that at all. And it's not true that you're in the battle alone because we're not. And if we were all uh, right here, or even right now, we're all to talk to one another about what we've gone through in life and the experiences we had with one another. We would see that we've all been through similar incidents and have gone through similar things and some more deeper than others. 
And even as the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, it says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though something strange were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of his glory, you may also rejoice and be overjoyed. So again, right there, don't think of the trials of life, the things that are happening to you, the things that you're going through as something strange. And it's only happening to you because it's not. It's happening to all of us. We all go through warfare as a believer. We all go through persecution in some form or way or another. And again, when we have uh, questions or doubts or fears which start to pop up in our mind, because that's gonna happen. It's gonna happen to us. At, one, at some point in our walk, we're gonna have de- uh, fears. We're gonna have doubts. We're gonna have that come up into our mind. But we need to look to the Lord and to the scriptures. And as we look at Hebrews 11, we can look at the example right here of the heroes of faith and how they trusted in God enduring to the end. And these examples are written for us because they've gone before us. They've endured the testing. And um, the writer of Hebrews, he's reminding us again and he's communicating to us in these passages that we're gonna look at right here. It's to keep to the faith, endure, endure to the end. Because again, what is faith? What's faith? When you look at the definition of faith, faith means a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And for us, our faith and our trust and our hope is in Christ Jesus. And that's what we have faith in. With that faith, we patiently endure, always trusting in God for his protection upon us. And through faith, it's through faith also too that we're submissive to God's will and God's rule and God's plan for our life, no matter what happens. Even when we don't understand what's going on, because we're not going to understand what's going on every time. We're not going to understand that. There's things happening sometimes and you can't even figure out what's going on. And they could just be happening too because you're a believer, because you're, you, you name the name of Christ. But like I said, um, when you don't understand, turn to the one who does understand, which is Christ Jesus. And understand that he knows all things. He knows your situation. He knows every hair that's numbered on your head. And we can put our faith and our trust in him. So again, looking at uh, verse 32, and it says this, I'll read verses 32 through 35. It says, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became uh, valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. So again, we're looking at these passage right here. We see those named as heroes of the faith, and that's what I even entitled this tonight, was heroes of the faith, who demonstrated a great faith. And we see the names of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephna and David and Samuel and the prophets who through their faith in God they accomplished impossible tasks such as, you know, taking on um, hostile kingdoms and armies and subduing them and which they were extremely outnumbered as well. They were completely outnumbered. They should have been wiped out several times over. Um, also too, with their faith, they worked acts of righteousness and they obtained the promises of God from the scriptures. And with their faith also too, they stopped the mouths of lions and they escaped those who were trying to kill them as well. And one thing I want to point out too, it, what the scripture says, who out of weakness were made strong. And that's what I want to focus on here right here is, and I'm going to take some time to develop it, is the characters that we hear about right here because um, it was out of weakness that they were made strong. 
And we need to know that ourselves, that it's in our weakness that the Lord makes us strong when we depend upon him. It's not about depending on myself or my own strength or my own wisdom and ability, but it's about depending upon him. And that's something every one of us needs to remember. And even every one of them that's mentioned right here, everyone that was spoken about, you know, from Gideon, Barak, Samson, um, these were people of great faith, but um, they weren't perfect by any means, by any means at all, but they kept their trust in the Lord. But it was through their faith that they grew and, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, inspired the writer of Hebrews to write them down as an example in the book of Hebrews. But um, you see them growing in their faith over time. And, and I was even talking with a friend of mine today. He was a buddy of mine from a previous church. And I was telling him about Hebrews 11. And he told me, he's, I've been work, well, he's been walking with the Lord for um, about five years now. But he said that he believed when he was first walking with the Lord. A lot of things were happening to him. He was struggling with his walk. He said he was going back and forth with things of the world and he was trying to stay on the path. But he said he thought people in the faith were always polished. And everybody he read about in the Bible was a polished person. And the pastor was polished up there. So he was asking himself, man, why am I always struggling and why is this happening to me? And then he realized now, and what we were sharing about Everybody grows in their faith. Everybody goes through struggles. It's over time that the Lord builds us up. It's over time that he does what? He builds character into us. And through those mistakes that we've made over time, that what happens with us, the Lord corrects us and he teaches us and he grows our faith in him. So, um, so again, looking at the first people that are mentioned as uh, Gideon, Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, they were judges of Israel when you look at them. And they're written down in the book of Judges as well. And just a little bit of uh, background info on the book of Judges and the period of the Judges, because before Israel had a king, it had a series of uh, tribal military leaders and rulers called Judges who would lead the nation. And the Hebrew word for Judges, it literally means deliverers or saviors. And they were, again, leaders from the, for the tribes of Israel. And there was about approximately 14 Judges um, during that period of time. But the period of Judges, it started after the conquest of Canaan, after Joshua conquered the land, um, and after the death of Joshua as well. But the book of Judges, when you read it, it's a tragic cycle of what happens when you begin to do what is right in your own eyes. And you walk your own path and not the path of God. So because of the Israelite people, they were living in that, that land. As they began to live in that land, they would end up practicing the deeds of the, the pagan nations, and they would fall into idol worship and pagan worship around them. And they would fall into a pattern of disobedience to God. And what would happen is that the Lord would lift his hand of protection upon them. He would lift his hand for, uh, from them and allow them to be defeated and conquered by a nearby nation. And they would impress the, oppress the people and they would enslave the people and just be pretty much brutal to them. And what would happen often is that the people of Israel, after several years of enduring this, they would call out to the Lord. And the Lord would raise up a judge or a deliverer to free them and get them on the right track with God. And that's practical application for us, especially when I was putting this together. And I was thinking about this. Whenever we decide as a person to go outside the will of God, to go outside and do the things that God has now told us to do, even as a nation, he's going to lift his hand of protection upon us. He's going to lift it from us. And we're going to suffer the consequences of that action. And again, it's in order to show us that the path we're going down and the things we're doing, it's not right. It's not good. And it's only leading to death and to destruction. And we're going to suffer the consequences of it. And he'll warn us to turn away even before going to that. But if we choose to ignore that warning, then again, his hand of protection will be taken off of us. But when we ask the Lord to forgive us, when we turn away from that, when we say, Lord, forgive me, heal me and restore me, 
he'll answer that prayer. And that's one of the key things right there for all of us here, even in our nation as I see it today, it's so confusing, there's so much violence out there. And I was a sheriff for many years, I'm a retired sheriff now, but I mean, I've, there's so much violence that I, I saw that was out there from school shootings just to assaults to everything, and it can kind of weigh on you. And you would think, man, the hand of the Lord has been taken off this nation. And so what happens, I, I think what happens with the nation, it needs repentance, and that's the key thing, is repenting and turning away from that particular sin or whatever you're not supposed to be doing. And it can't just be lip service. It can't be that. It must be a change of heart and a change of attitude. You gotta have that change of heart. You gotta have that change of attitude. It can't be fake or phony. And that's what we need, like I said, even as a nation right now, to get our hearts and our minds back and right with the God. It's not about political parties. It's not about that. It's not about voting a certain man in the White House. It's about repenting and seeking the Lord, turning to him asking him to heal us, asking them to change a person from the, you know, the inside out. So again, looking at Gideon, the character of Gideon, he's the first one up for the heroes of faith. Um, when you first look at Gideon, he's mentioned in Hebrews eleven thirty two 32 right here, like we just saw. But he's also mentioned in the book of Judges, chapter six through eight. Now I'll just give you a brief overview on the stories because there's a lot of guys I gotta try to cover. So um, I'll give you a brief overview of them. But um, Gideon's name means hewer or hacker or great warrior. And Gideon also earned another name, which they called him Jerebable. And he earned this name for himself by tearing down and destroying the idol and altar of Baal, which belonged to his father, and which the other Israelites, they were also going and worshiping as well. But, you know, at first, Gideon was anything but a great warrior when he started off. Some of you even may ask, like, man, how's this guy in the hall of faith? How did he even get here? If you look at his beginnings, man, it, it, he was scared. He was scared, he, he was afraid, but his faith grew in God over time and it was built up. Because when the Lord first appeared to Gideon, he was hiding in the wine press and he was um, trying to gather up some wheat, you know, doing it in secret, you know, gathering up the wheat in fear the Midianites were gonna come and kill him. So he was hiding out. Um, but when the Lord appears to him, he calls him a mighty man of valor. But um, Gideon was anything but valor. If you look at it at the beginning, he didn't have no valor in him. He was afraid. But the Lord saw the potential of what would happen with Gideon and his faith that would increase and grow over time. And because his faith grew over time, as he began to trust in the Lord in his life, the Lord began to show him signs that his presence was with him. And that's something important for all of us that we need to remember. Never forget, and I always want to repeat this, never forget that the Lord is with you. Because like I said, we go through struggles, we go through ups and downs, but don't forget that the Lord is with you. You know, we have the hardships of life where people have cancer, where they get cancer, they get sicknesses, diseases, or something happens to a family member or even yourself. But don't forget that through those times, the Lord is with you. Never will he leave you and never will he forsake you. And I feel like hitting on that, I feel like the Lord's impressing me to tell you, tell you guys that. Just don't forget that. And again, as we see with Gideon, Gideon was led what? One step at a time. And for us, that's how our walk with the Lord is. When you think about it, he leads us at what? One step at a time. And it's so that we don't get overwhelmed at the task ahead. Because if we saw all the steps that were gonna take place or the things that he's like, hey, you're gonna do this, you'd probably get afraid and be like, hey, I ain't doing that. This is way beyond me. Get somebody else to do this. So I don't know what that flashing light is. <laughs> so... First, I was like, man, it looked like a police car right there. Yeah. 
But um, again, the Lord leads us at one step of a time. And, and again, it's so that we don't get overwhelmed. And as we walk in obedience to the Lord in faith in him, as he's called us to, he's gonna continue to build our faith and he's gonna continue to open those doors of, um, for us as we move forward in him and whatever task the Lord has called us to. But again, it's stepping out in faith. It's stepping out of the comfort zone. And that's something we need to do is step out of our comfort zone. Don't stay comfortable. Don't stay mediocre in your walk with God. Step out of your comfort zone. Step out in faith and see what the Lord does. Because again, during the time of Gideon, the Israelites, once again, they embraced and they were given over to idolatry of their neighbors and by the surrounding nations and the false gods of that nation. They were just worshiping them. And again, God used the Midianites as a tool of discipline to punish them for several years. And the Midianites would completely ravage and destroy the farmlands, destroying the crops and killing everything in sight. And they were like a swarm of locusts on the land that just pretty much destroyed everything. And if you guys want to turn with me real quick, turn with me to Judges chapter 6. And we'll read verses 1 through 6. It just gives us some insight of what was going on during the time of Gideon. me a thumbs up if you guys are there. <laughs> All right. So beginning at uh, verse one in chapter six of Judges, it says, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds, which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. They went, then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor oxen nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels and were, and were without number and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And that's the key thing right there. As we read that verse right there at the end, is that the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. But the, before the Lord can send a deliverer, before he could send a hero of the faith, he always sent a prophet to preach to them. And what was that message? It was a message of repentance. Why? And we need to be reminded because before we can move forward in God, before we can get our life right and anything else in our life, we need to have repentance in our life. Because again, they decided their own, to go their own way and they were worshiping false gods, and they were indulging in the practices of sin. And this had been the real cause of all their troubles and their miseries. And it's important for us to remember that because we cannot have peace from God and peace with God, and we cannot have deliverance from God if we don't repent and turn away from those things which have been ensnared to us, which we've been ensnared by. Because true repentance is the action of turning away of that which is evil, turning away from sin in our lives, and it was even the psalmist who said in Psalm 66, verse 18, he says this, if I regard iniquity, which is wickedness, in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And also, too, it was Jesus who, in his first message of preaching to the people, if you look at Jesus' first ministry and his first gospel message, it's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, he was preaching on repentance. And I'll read that verse for you real quick. It says, Matthew 4, 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of God kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I was thinking about that as I was putting this to get together because we live in a uh, culture and in a world today 
that wants to silence and drown out the gospel pretty much. It wants to drown out the preaching of the word of God. The culture wants to trample down the truth of God's word and they want to say that you can live any way you want as long as it makes you happy without any accountability for your actions whatsoever and you'll still be right with God and go to heaven. But we all know that's just simply not true. You cannot live a life in opposition to God and God's word and still think I'm going to heaven. It doesn't work that way. Or you're gonna have the blessings upon your nation if you live like that. Because too many people, they deceive themselves into believing that. And that's why it's important to preach repentance. You have to have that repentance because repentance brings about an inward change of heart and an outward change of lifestyle. And that's what happened for me. Before I became a sheriff, I mean, if you guys don't know my story, I've shared at the men's conference. Before I was a sheriff, I was running the streets. Uh, I don't even know how I became a sheriff. It was God's grace. Um, I was running the streets. I got arrested several times. I was very violent, um, doing it, whatever I wanted to do. But the Lord got a hold of me when I got arrested at the age of 17. I was locked up in juvenile hall. And, and the Lord spoke to me and appeared to me. I still remember that. And I changed my heart about a year and a half later. But it was a message that repentance that was spoken to me because there was a man inside the juvenile hall who came one day. Um, I don't even know who he was to this day, but he was like a chaplain or a pastor. But he preached inside the, the juvenile hall cells. And it was about repentance, talking about you need to make a change, change for Jesus. And it's that inward change that makes an outward change. So um, I just want to share that. And that's what our nation needs today. But um, again, at first when Gideon, he was called by God. When you look at Gideon's call, he resisted the call. And he said he was too insignificant and weak and that he was pretty much a nobody to save the, the Israel from their enemies. But the Lord let him know that he was with them every step of the way, ensuring him and giving him signs that he was with them. And through these signs and through these steps, the Lord built up again, like I said, Gideon's faith as he moved forward in each task that God has asked him to, despite his fears that he was experiencing, because we're gonna experience some fears as the Lord tells us to step out. But what do we do with that fear? It's what we do with that. Channel that fear and give it to the Lord in prayer. Man, I've been afraid at times, and I'm a tough guy. I tell myself, you know, I mean, I was a sheriff out there. Like, I dealt with a lot of rough, tough things, but at sometimes you can be afraid of things, but it's what you do with that. Channel that and say, Lord, you know what? I'm feeling a little bit of fear. This is what I'm dealing with. Help me not to have that fear. Be with me. Help me to overcome in this area. And I guarantee the Lord will strengthen you. He'll honor that faith. So, um, but again, the Lord may even be telling you out here today, step out in faith for what he's put on your heart to do. Um, even if you're having fears and doubt about it, trust the Lord in your situation. But again, as we can see, continue to see Gideon move forward and step by step being obedient in the faith and growing in his faith, um, the Lord asked him to do something which was to uh, tear down the altar of Baal, which was his father's uh, at his household, and also destroy the, the Asherah pole. And in, the Asherah pole was, an, you know, like a um, pagan pole that they would worship at. And the Lord said, hey, before you can move forward in any of this, you need to destroy this pole right here. Destroy this and destroy your father's idol, which was at his house. And Gideon did what was asking them, even though he was afraid. And as it says in Judges chapter six, he even took some men with him at night because he was afraid. He didn't want to go during the day because he thought he would be get killed during the day if they saw it. But um, he did it at night and he went and destroyed the, uh, the altar of Baal and the idol as well. And then, like I said, the next morning, everybody wanted to kill Gideon for it. But even his father stood up and said, you know what? Let Baal defend himself. If Baal is God, then let him defend himself. So Gideon, again, he took that step of faith. Out of obedience to God, he chose to obey the Lord and he walked forward in faith and he destroyed the altar of Baal. And that was a real act of faith, like I said, on Gideon's part because 
when you think about it practically, if you're gonna do things like that, especially in your family, and someone is following a different path than what you are, or worshiping in a different way, or you know, tied to a different faith or religion, there's gonna be some hardship and conflict. And Gideon could have easily said, you know what, I'm gonna lose my inheritance from my father, I'm gonna lose this, I'm gonna lose that, I'm gonna have problems with my father and the rest of my family. You know what, you know what? I don't wanna do this, I give up on this faith act. But he didn't do that, he obeyed the Lord right there. And, and he did what the Lord asked him to do. And even for ourselves too, this is practically speaking, when you have a decision to follow Christ, even in your family, there's always gonna be that division. There's gonna be some that are for you and some that are against you. Rare, very rarely does it happen where a whole household turns to the Lord. You know, some it may happen like that, and that's a great blessing, praise God. I know for myself, that didn't happen right away like that. When I was uh, 19, 20, when I gave my heart to the Lord, there was a real lot of conflict, you know, within my family because they were of uh, the Catholic faith. And, and I had just joined, um, gave my heart to Christ. And I was actually going to Calvary Chapel, Chino Valley. And they, my family members started saying it was a cult and I was involved in a cult. And I'm like, man, I'm not involved in a cult. What are you talking about, man? I'm just trying to serve God. But my heart was just to serve the Lord, you know? So you, any, anytime you have that, because you're serving God and because you're not part of that anymore, there could be some real hardship and strife that happens, even hostility at times. And it can be difficult. But um, keep your faith in the Lord and choose what the Lord asks you to do. So, um, but getting back to Gideon, as we continue to see him move forward and grow in faith, um, Gideon gathers an army and prepares to fight the Midianites. But as the story goes with Gideon, he gathers about 32,000 men uh, from the army of Israel to fight the Midianites. But the Lord told Gideon in Judges 7, 2, and I'll read it for you real quick. It says this, Judges 7, 2, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. And so with that, you know, God gradually, you know, dwindled down Gideon's army from 32,000 men to about 300, 300 men, which is an impossible number too when you see about taking on thousands of, uh, of other soldiers and nations. Um, they would have been wiped out for sure. But Gideon went forward with that. Despite having some fear, he trusted in the Lord to go up against the Midianites and the Amalekites. And with Gideon's faith, he ended up destroying the Midianites. He ended up destroying the Amalekites and he freed Israel from the bondage and the hardship and the persecution that they were facing. And again, this was not because of Gideon's great battle strategy. It was not because of that. It wasn't because he had you know, strong warriors and they were mighty or his ingenious military might. That wasn't it. It was because of his faith in God and his trust in the Lord, despite being outnumbered. That's what it was. It was because of his trust in the Lord. And that's a lesson for us as we look at Gideon of why he's in the hall of faith. Because often in our life too, the Lord will put us in situations in our lives that are beyond us. Things that happen to us that are beyond us, beyond our control for us to handle or, or, or for us to have any backup plan. And it's so that we completely can trust in him through the situation that we're dealing with. And so that we don't depend upon ourselves for a strategy or a plan for deliverance. Because that's easy to do, to plan something out for myself. Hey, if this goes sideways, I'll have plan B right here. And then the Lord destroys plan B. And it's like, you know what? I don't have anything else. My first thing I should do is what? I should be seeking the Lord. Lord, what do I do with this situation? Lay it at his feet. Always remember that. That's how you have faith and that's how you grow in your faith. Again, it's not about battle strategy or having plans, but taking those plans of whatever you're doing and giving them to the Lord. 
And again, it's through these situations and through the things that we go through is that we grow in our faith and we trust in the Lord and that the Lord gets all the glory for him delivering us. And even in Isaiah chapter 42, verse eight, it says this, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carve images. And that's something powerful to think about right there because the Lord, he, he gets all the glory for whatever he does in our life, for all the deliverance that he's given us. I think back on my life now, I'm 43, and I've been walking with the Lord about 23 years. I can tell you he's been faithful to the end even when I've had times where I've slipped up and failed. He's been faithful with me. And I'm pretty sure you guys can say that same thing. So, so again, taking a look at the next hero of faith, which we t- uh, take a look at is um, Baruch, or Barak, I'm sorry. <laughs> Barak, Baruch. <so. laughs> but taking a look at Barak, um, which is, again, it's in the time of Judges, which is found in Judges chapter four and five. And most people in the church, I don't know if anybody's familiar with Barak, most people don't know who he is. They, they don't have a clue who Barak is, but they're unfamiliar with him and what he did. But again, Barak was another mighty man of God, a warrior who walked in the faith of God and in the call of God in his life, despite overwhelming odds against him and the nation. And again, Barak was the son of Abinadim of Kadesh from the tribe of Naphtali. And, and Barak's name, it means lightning or lightning flash pretty much if you're taking notes. And again, it was during the time of the judges when Israel once again drifted away from God and the Canaanites oppressed them for 20 years. And no, because during that time too, like I said before, not all the Canaanites were driven out of the land during the time of Joshua. Some stayed and the Lord said, lest you, I uproot all these people and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. So you would, they would have to drive them out slowly one at a time. So again, what happens is that the Hebrew people, they start giving into the pagan practices of the nations and they start um, worshiping as they were doing and following the false gods. And again, the Canaanite kingdom of Hazard begins taking out vengeance upon Israel and the Lord uses them as a discipline tool to discipline Israel. But again, they call out to the Lord and they repent and then the Lord raises up a judge. And at this time, he actually raised up a judge in the land by the name of Deborah if you guys are familiar with it. She was a very wise and holy woman and she had a great faith in God as well. And she goes along with the story of uh, Barak because she was also a judge and prophetess of the nation of Israel. And Deborah was the only female leader among uh, the judges. And with Deborah, she was being instructed by God and as she was instructed by God, she summoned Barak and said, hey, you know what? You need to lead the people of Israel to war against the Canaanites. And it was despite overwhelming odds again they were outnumbered by the other nations. It was impossible for them to win. But um, she, uh, Barak, as he came about, as he heard it, and he you know, took, took heed to the calling, he answered that calling. And he obeyed what Deborah was saying. And he began to gather the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and then uh, he met the Canaanite tribe out in battle. But if you look at Barak's faith in the beginning and what happened to him, He hesitated at first. He hesitated. At first, he wasn't confident at all. He even says, you know what? If Deborah doesn't go with me, if you don't go with me, and he was talking about Deborah, then I'm not gonna go. And I'll read you a passage right here. It's Judges chapter four, verses eight through nine. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you. It says, and Barak said to her, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And that's Barak speaking. 
So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And again, Sisera was the leader of the uh, commander of the army of the Canaanites. But again, Deborah agreed to go with him, but because of Barak's lack of faith in God, she told him that victory would go to another for that. It would go to a woman because of that, for killing the Canaanite leader. So what happened is, you know, Deborah tells Barak to advance on the army and he does so and he takes out um, the army and what happens with Sisera, the leader of that army, he escapes out of there, he runs and he flees and he actually goes and flees into um, a nearby town and to a, a lady's uh, village tent and by this lady's name was Jael, she was a Canaanite woman and, and, and Sisera, the, the army leader, was saying, hey, can you hide me in here? Hide me in here from what's going on because, you know, these people are pursuing me. They're trying to kill me. So she told him, hey, you know what? I'll hide you in here. Here, you can lay down in here and I'll take care of you. So she took him in and what happened with that is she gave him some milk to drink. So she gave him some milk to drink. He was feeling all comfortable, all relaxed and he laid down and he went to sleep and he, he felt that he was good. But here's what happens right here. This woman right here takes a, a tent stake and she takes it she goes up to him and she drives the stake through his temples and she killed him. So um, took him out like that. May seem a little brutal, but that's what happened. <laughs> so, but um, again, Israel had victory that day and there was peace in Israel for 40 years after that. But here's the important faith lesson we learned from Barak. He recognized that Deborah had authority, which had been given to her by God. So with that authority that Deborah had, he obeyed her and what um, she told him to do. And this was a great demonstration of faith because, you know, Deborah was a woman. And back in those days, too, in the ancient times, it was rare for a woman to be an authority. He did not have that or to be respected highly, especially in the area of war. You know, Barak could have easily blown it off and been like, you know what? I, I don't, I'm not going to listen to this. You don't know what you're talking about. You're a woman and you've never been in war and you've never fought anyone. He could have easily said those things. And that would have been a lack of faith. But Barak didn't do that. He listened to what was being told to him and he obeyed what she was saying, knowing it was from God. So this showed faith and, and Barak had trust in the Lord. But one other important lesson that we learned with Barak is to trust God fully in faith. Because when you examine Barak's faith, it was only partial faith. When you guys see that, it's partial faith. He only said he would go if what? Deborah went with him. And the victory of killing the commander of the army of the Canaanites went to another person. And because of that, again, there was only partial victory for Barak. Because here's something that you need to know. Here's something that's important. Partial faith only leads to partial victory. And you always remember that. You can write that down. If I only have partial faith in something, if I only have partial faith in the Lord, it's going to lead to partial victory. I need to keep my full faith in him. I need to keep my full trust in him, even if I don't understand what's going on. It's like the person said to Jesus, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe you help my unbelief. And that's what you need to do. Because again, partial faith only leads to partial victory. And if we're gonna step out uh, for any work of God that he's called us to do, we have to have a complete full faith in the Lord that he will see us through. Faith is the necessary, it's necessary for the work of God to be accomplished. You have to have it. Because no matter how big the task is or how small it is, Faith in God is required, not partial faith, but full faith, full trust in the Lord. And again, as it says in Zechariah chapter four, verse six, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And I love that scripture right there. It's by his spirit that we work. 
And again, remember this too, and this is something that we see with Barak. The Lord will use whom he wishes, whether it's a woman like Deborah or an unknown man like Barak to accomplish the task. God will use each and every one of us if we step out in faith and obey him, if we just trust in him to lead us and guide us in every step. You just need to make yourself available. Always just make yourself available and the Lord will equip you for works of service. Just think about that. You step out and the Lord will equip you. He will equip the called. Just remember that. So again, looking at the uh, next person, which is Samson, and I'm not gonna be able to get to everybody tonight, so we're gonna look at Samson and I'm gonna have to pick up next week and finish up from there. Um, But again, looking at the character of Samson and why he is part of the heroes of faith or in the hall of faith. Because when you first look at Samson and you, you read about him in the book of Judges, you don't see that he had great faith. I don't see that at all. I see a guy that had a lot of problems, you know, didn't obey the Lord. And I'm like, wow, this guy is something else. But he had some great strength. <laughs> I mean, he hit the gym a lot. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you see a lot of reliance in Samson on self. That's what you see. You see a lot of reliance on self and disobedience to the Lord. Um, Samson had presumed on the grace of God and the talents that were given to him by the Lord. And we should never do that. Don't presume on God's grace that's been given to us. Don't think that he's always gonna give you grace for everything that we do or say, or even, I'm talking about willfully doing something. So, and that's what Samson did over time. He presumed on the grace of God. um, And he reaped the consequences of his actions. And because of his disobedience, here's what happened to Samson. And he, he ended up with his eyes gouged out later. He was captured by the Philistine army. They beat him up, they gouged out his eyes, and they put him in the grinding mill to grind, you know, um, wheat and all that other stuff. But again, despite his shortcomings, the spirit of God directed the writer, he was to list Samson as a hero of the faith, that he demonstrated great faith in the Lord. So when you read about Samson, he's hands down one of the strongest people in the Bible. God supernaturally gifted him with strength beyond any human you know, being ever. And with that strength, the Lord used Samson as a weapon, as an instrument of chaos against the Philistines who were oppressing the Israelite people at the time. And they were oppressed and afflicted for about 40 years because again, they had forsook the Lord. Israel forsook the Lord and they did evil in his sight. And you can always know when a nation is experiencing, you know, hardship or strife or judgments. Or even now, as I think about mass shootings that are happening in the schools, because of you know forsaking the Lord, I believe those things are happening even now. I mean, I, I, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. I was a teenager in the 90s. I don't remember a lot of school shootings. I remember Columbine. It was like late 98, but it didn't happen like that as um, time went on when I was in you know, school as a young man. But you know, later I became a school resource officer and I was having to do drills with elementary school kids for active shooter. And I always think, you know, too, man, the Lord has lifted his hand on this nation because people chose to disobey. They chose not to walk in repentance. They chose to, you know, forsake the Lord and the commandments that were given to them, the things of this nation that were, you know, they were built upon. So, so you see that. And we, like I said, again, we need to turn back as a nation to repentance. But again, you see the same story. It's easy to fall into that just like Israel did. It's easy to fall into that. And again, um, we're reminded that day, and in the day and age we live in, there's always a distraction around every, every corner. And it's easy for us to even fall into that distraction and forsake the Lord 
especially with social media, with entertainment that's available to you through a computer or a phone that can be used to draw on your heart or capture you for evil. It's just very true. Um, and it can be used for wickedness to turn away your heart from the Lord. There's always something you know, vibing for your attention, especially with the billboards, the signs, everything that's out there. So seek the Lord always first, but always be careful of that. Don't be drawn into that. Don't be deceived and led away by the Lord in that. Because again, we are reminded of what the prophet um, told King Asa. And he said this, this is 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse two. And he says this, listen to me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, he will let, he will let you find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. So again, like Israel right here, it's easy for us to go astray. It's easy for us to get distracted. It's easier for us to get into that cycle of judges and, and what you see. So we need to keep ourselves in the love of God and just walking in his will. Always remember that. Keep yourself in the love of God. But again, looking at Samson, looking at his strength, it came directly from the spirit of the Lord and it, and it enabled him to do supernatural features. Feats, I mean, it was incredible when you think about it. Um, even including the one that led to his death at the very end. And, you know, I, I do like Sampton's character. I mean, he fought a lot of, you know, people. I like action movies and stories. So reading about Sampton, I'm like, man, this is cool right here. But I don't like some of the stuff he did. You know, some of the other stuff that was disobeying the Lord. But the other action was cool. I'm like, wow. Um, because, again, um, he's one of the few people in Scripture as well, Samson, that had a miraculous birth. His mother had been unable to get pregnant, so an angel of the Lord appeared to her and told her that she would conceive and have a son. And the angel instructed her to raise him as a Nazarite, which a Nazarite is, is one who was dedicated to God from the womb, and they're not allowed to cut their hair or have, you know, strong drink or wine or any of that stuff. So, but as Samson came of age, he became very impulsive. If you look at his character and what he did, He's very impulsive. He was very lustful towards women and what lustful for whatever he wanted. If he saw something he wanted, he would just go and get it. You know, it would be without restraint, without seeking the guidance of God. Even there's a, the story of Samson, a lion came roaring at him and what happened? He tore the lion to pieces with his bare hands and um, just destroyed the lion. It was like a rag doll being ripped apart. But what happened with that lion is he left and the, the carcass, there was a... Um, honeybees that went in there and developed a honeycomb in there. He came back and saw it and took the honey out and was eating it and gave it to his mom and dad. And the scripture strictly forbids you're not to do that. You're not to take honey from a dead carcass or any of that stuff. So again, that shows what? Lustful. I, I can just do whatever I want. And that's um, what Samson was doing at the time. But again, as well, um, even Samson wanted to marry a woman of the Philistines because Samson saw a beautiful Philistine woman and he demanded from his father that he get him, uh, get her for his wife. And Samson's mother, they couldn't even, mother and father, they could not even figure out like, hey, why does this guy want to go with a person who doesn't know the Lord? Why does he want to go with the nation that's oppressing us? But again, we get better insight in Judges chapter 14, verse four, it says this, but his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at the time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So Samson right here, this is where his quest started against the Philistines in which the Lord through Samson, he took vengeance upon the Philistines for their treatment of Israel. And again, when you think about it, Samson, he had accomplished a lot with his faith, especially um, being a one-man army pretty much. He took on a lot of people, a lot of nations by himself. That takes a lot of faith out there to go and take people on. Um, 
And again, as I talked about the, he, how he took on a lion earlier and ripped it apart as a rag doll, but um, we also see Samson as well, where he, at his wedding feast to the Philistine woman, he gave the, his uh, Philistine guest a riddle to solve. And um, he said, hey, within seven days, if you could answer this riddle, I will give you 30 changes of linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. But if you can't, then you're gonna give me 30 changes of linen gar- garments and 30 sets of clothes. Um, and I was even thinking about that too. I'm like, man, why does this guy need so much clothes? Why does he need all that for? It don't make any sense. But, you know, he was asking for, for that many clothes. I don't know who's gonna wear that many sets of clothes in, in one time. So, but again, the Philistines, they couldn't figure out the riddle. They couldn't solve it. So they actually threatened his new wife that they're gonna kill her and her family if they did, she didn't tell them the riddle. So she went and pressed Samson to get the information from him. And then finally Samson gave in and told them the riddle. And then later, the, the Philistine guest told, answered the riddle with that. And because of that, Samson was very upset. He's like, hey, you wouldn't have um, guessed this riddle if you didn't talk to my wife about this. And because of that, it says the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. He went out and killed 30 men of the Philistines. And he, he took their clothes and he gave it to them. And after the, he gave the clothes to the Philistine people, he just left angry. He left out for quite some time. And then later, he returns to the land where you know, his wife was, where they were having the wedding. And he's like, hey, I want my wife back. And he starts talking to his father-in-law. And she's like, hey, you know, I thought you hated her. I've given her to somebody else. But you know what, take her sister. She's more beautiful. And he's like, you know what, now I'm truly gonna take vengeance on you guys now. So again, he sets up the vengeance part right here. So because of this, like I said, he attacked the Philistines even more. And um, even another amazing feature that he did is that he, he, he went around and he caught 300 foxes. I can imagine a guy just running and chasing foxes and then grabbing them by the tails. And here's what he did. He, he would grab the, the foxes by the tails and he would tie them together. After tying them together, he'd put a torch inside the tail. And then here's what he did with that. He lit the torch on fire and then he sent the foxes out and they ran into the Philistines' vineyards and they burned up the, the vineyards and the olive groves and everything else. And they were pretty upset about that. But I, I'm just thinking about it in my mind, a guy running around catching foxes, because a fox is pretty fast, man. I'm like, wow. So imagine seeing that. So it's like pretty amazing. But because of that, after he burned up the Philistines, you know, vineyards and all that, they were pretty angry. And we read in Judges 15, um, verses 14 and 15, um, this is what we read right here. Um, And this is before that. Let me set this up real quick before that. After he burned up the, the vineyards, he went out about and he dwelled in the cliff of a rock and he was in the area of Judah and the Philistines came looking for him and they, and they came up against the men of Judah and they were saying, hey, uh, we're here to fight you. And they're like, well, hey, man, we didn't do nothing. Who are you looking for? Like, we're looking for this guy, Samson. He burned up all our stuff and we're gonna, we're gonna get to him. So what happens is the men of Judah, they, they tell Samson, hey, you, we're gonna bind you and give you over to the Philistines. So what happens is they give him over to the Philistines and it says in Judges 15, verses 14 and 15, it says this, when he came to Leah, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it and he killed a thousand men with it. So Samson right here, he takes a jawbone of a donkey and he kills a thousand men. Imagine seeing something like that. I guess if, man, if I was in that army, I wouldn't try engaging this guy. I'd probably leave. I'm <laughs> seeing one guy take out a thousand guys. So that would be incredible. And I know for myself, I'm like, man, I can imagine how tired this guy is because 
For the year, for years, several years for myself, I trained in the Israeli uh, combat arts of Krav Maga, which means contact combat. I'm in a civilian instructor. I'm also a law enforcement instructor in that as well. And I've trained for many years in that system. And it's pretty tough drills. And one of the drills we would do is we would have one person in the center and then we'd get everybody around them and they'd have a bag or a gun or a stick. And then you would have that person in the center. You put a timer for three minutes and you would just go at it. So you start fighting and punching and hitting and then the guy would come up behind you, you hit him. He would hit you and then you start fighting him and then the guy would drop the bag and try to put you in a choke and then you have to escape from that and one guy would come after the other. So it's one after the other after the other. And this was about you know three minutes of a round. So I would be exhausted doing that. So I can imagine him fighting a thousand people and, um, and just being exhausted in that. But again, if you look at, like I said, Samson, he, he killed over a thousand guys and, and, and it was an amazing act of faith. But later what happens with Samson, and I'm just gonna shorten this up for time, um, is he meets a Philistine woman by the name of Delilah. Uh, whom he falls in love with. And then later too, she's also approached by the Philistine leaders and they pay her money to find out where Samson's strength is. Hey, where does his strength come from? So she eventually presses Samson and finds out what's going on with Samson and where he gets his strength from. And so she tells him, hey, you know what? He told me what was going on. And it was the seven locks and the hair in his head that had not been cut. So she calls some people in and cuts his hair because his hair had never been cut because that was a part of the vow of the Nazarite. So they cut his hair, but what happens with him, again, he presumes on the grace of God. He just says, I'll get up and go as I've always done and fight some people. But what happens is it says the spirit of the Lord left him. So the spirit of the Lord leaves him and they grab him, they beat him up, they gouge out his eyes and they bind him in chains in the prison. And they later too begin to proclaim that their God Dagon has delivered Samson, their enemy to them. But as he's grinding, you know, being put in as a grinder, um, which a grinder, again, you just slave. That was slave work. That was beast work. And you're just grinding, you know, stones and, and wheat and all that. But he, his hair began to grow back. But, you know, and later they had a um, great feast. The Philistines had a great feast. And they wanted to bring Samson out to parade him around. And, you know, Samson, I'm pretty sure during that time that Samson was grinding, and doing all those things, I'm pretty sure he had some thoughts in his head like, you know what, I've disobeyed the Lord. I didn't obey what the Lord gave me to do. I, I squandered it. I used it on indulgence for myself. And I'm pretty sure, you know, Samson felt like that. We can all feel like that at times because sometimes the Lord has to discipline us to get us on the right track. He does. And it's not fun, but it's for our own benefit. And again, we read in, as Samson cried out in faith one last time, and I'll read it real quick. It's Judges chapter 16, verses 28 through 30. It says this, Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. So when you look at that right there, Samson was put between the two pillars. He was paraded around as a festival of Dagon saying he was captured. Dagon, our God, captured him. But Samson had one last strength of faith. He, he was put between the two pillars and he ripped them out and the entire temple 
came crashing down in, in his, you know, he killed more in the end than he did in his lifetime. Um, but it was a tragic ending. But in the end, you think about it, why is Samson sustained in the hall of faith? Why is his name in there? And it's because of this, um, he repented. I believe he repented. And the Lord gave him that strength one last time. Um, once he said, you know what, Lord, give me one, one last chance. I'm pretty sure during that time, like I said, during the grinding and all the things that were happening to him, he's probably thinking about what happened. Because Samson knew he was gifted by God. He knew he was gifted by God and that the Lord had given him great power to deliver the children of Israel from the Philistines. But like I said, Samson squandered it and he wasted it at times and he presumed on the grace of God. And it's not until, like I said, he's blinded that he realizes what's gone on, what's done. Because he, he, like I said, he completely turned aside from his mission. And we all have a mission from God. And I even ask yourselves this tonight, am I doing the mission of what God's called, for me, called me to do, called you to do? Or am I turning aside from it? Don't turn aside from that mission. Let the Lord lead you and guide you in that. And so again, I, this is what I think with Samson. He was brought to the end of himself. And Samson recognizes his faults and he, and he repents. And he sacrificed himself as one last step of faith. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And with that, the Lord gave him strength. It was not because of his hair. Again, it was because he called upon the name of the Lord in strength. And he demonstrated the faith of repentance. That's the thing that's, that needs to be hit on, is the faith of repentance. And again, it's a life lesson for us all right here with Samson. You can serve yourself or you can serve God. Because we live in a culture today where it's all about what? It's all about self, the selfie. It's all about sensuality. It's all about doing whatever pleases you. In the culture of our time, again, it encourages self-indulgence. And it's, like I said, it's easy to be caught up in that type of thinking and behavior of self. And sometimes the Lord has to let us slip and fall in order, and for us to choose our own path in order for us to see the light. Hey, come back to this, son. Hey, this path you're going down is cursed. Don't go that way. And he will get our attention before we try to go that way. But some of us, you know, sometimes we continue down that path and it's not a good one. And the Lord has to wake us up. And when he does wake us up, we have to have that repentance. So again, in the end, it was not Samson's long hair that was the true source of his power and might. It had always been the spirit of the Lord coming upon him. And that's something we need to remember. It's not the wisdom or the strength or the intellect or the wealth that we have that makes us mighty. It's knowing the Lord and letting the Lord go before us to bless the work of our hands. It's our faith in God that strengthens us and blesses us. And that's what Samson had to recognize in the end, that his strength was in God. And by his obedience to God, he was made strong. That's how we're made strong in our obedience to God. And that's why Samson right here is mentioned in the hall of faith at the end. He turned back to God and he kept the faith. As it says in Jeremiah chapter nine, verses 23 and 24, and this is a good scripture if you're taking notes. It's again, Jeremiah nine, verses 23 and 24 says this. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. That's true right there. That's a powerful scripture. And that should speak to all of us right there. It even speaks to me as I read it. So as we close right now and we look at the steps of faith that each of these men took, um, they were by no means perfect, but they demonstrated faith. Their faith was built over time. 
So, um, and it's a lesson, a life lesson for all of us. So let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for what we've seen so far in the hall of faith. Um, we thank you for the heroes of the faith, how we see their characters grow over time, how we as people grow over time, Lord, in our faith. May we, um, not be disobedient to you, Lord, but may we uh, follow you through every step of the way. Um, even if we have fear, Lord, we just give it to you and we keep moving forward. So we just want to trust you. We just want to uh, love you and we just want to serve you faithfully. So again, may we um, walk in faith, Lord, especially as we go out to the mission field, which is not inside the church, but outside, Lord. May we have that faith to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.